0: Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Dean McKinnon, and I am joined this week by Jake McGee. How are you doing, Jake?
1: I'm not too bad at all. Happy to be back. Back-to-back weeks, getting used to
0: it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, once again, we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Patrick Jackson of the Long Snapper podcast. Patrick, how are you?
2: Very good. Thanks for having me back. Particularly thanks for having me back on A season
0: when the Jaguars are actually favorites, which is very rare in our history. <laughs> this, listen, I'm not going to sort of tempt fate. I, the next time they're favorites, we'll get you back on again. You know, <laughs> you know. I'll see you in
2: 2035.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2035. Patrick Jackson's back. I'm like, what? who? They're 12 years in the making. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about your Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, oh, this week we are going to be having our AFC South deep dive uh we've got to cover some news first then of course we're going to finish with random stats gentlemen we're not far away we're not far away at all from pre-season you know today's the 28th of june we've just got the uh five weeks six weeks sorry six weeks and then pre-season kicks off six shows to go and then people are kicking balls in earnest so that's what i was doing last night what were you doing last night, Jake?
1: I was laying in bed at 1am, like you do, with your terrible sleep pattern on. I opened up the NFL Fantasy app, and I did my first NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> we already, we're not even in July, and my addiction has started. So one of my most likely 30 drafts that I do, I've, I've done my first one. So, and I would not uh, tell anyone to do it, because it was massively bugged.
0: Uh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. That top tip there from Jake McGee, don't do it just now. Wait. Wait. Yeah, wait. Uh, Patrick, do you do fantasy football? I'm assuming you do.
2: I do. do fantasy, you do the yeah. fantasy I've football. Had two dynasty drafts so far this summer, but it's uh, not getting going in earnest for another couple of months for the sensible leagues where you actually wait to find out the 53 man rosters before you draft. It's definitely the smart way to do it.
0: Um, I think it would be. I think it would be. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to do, gentlemen, um, is. We're gonna have us say the news. Oh, actually, before we before we go into the news, you're talking about things being uh buggy, Jake, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um have you seen that NFL Game Pass is moving to D A Z N? So Yes. This, yeah, so D A Z N um, is basically taking over NFL Game Pass. So I, I wasn't actually aware I must have I don't know how I missed this. So out of the loop. Um, I was logging into Game Pass and it popped up saying it's moving to DAZN. I think it's said the 1st of August. Uh, it's going to this. Yep. Uh, so the app is changing. So anyone who has a Game Pass account, uh, from the 1st of August, you will need to have a DAZN account. You'll have to do that. Otherwise, Game Pass just will not work. So I'm hearing. Um, now, couple of things. First of all, uh, the pricing. So I saw the pricing come up and it says you can pay up front ninety-nine pounds for the year for for Game Pass, um which is cheaper than last year. Cause I think it was £140 or £150, but there's no you can't get what that the, the one they had, which I think was called Game Pass Essential. Um that does that's not gonna exist anymore. So you can't get the the cheap. Cheap one. um The other thing is, I signed up for the DZN, just logged into it uh, because it's it says called sign- a
1: "zone." You have to stop near. What's it called? The zone. Da zone. D a da z n zone. But
0: ZN is not zone. That's dazzle.
1: You're, 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 you're showing your age. Well, yeah, age. I
0: am. Right, generation <laughs> X over here. This is what happens. <laughs> Dazon, does Daz, does Daz, what? Dazon, zone As in in the zone. Yeah, he's in the zone. Oh my goodness that's awful. Who thought up the name of this? Say, <laughs> seriously, someone who's not forty-five, I would guess.
2: Oh, I'd just say if you want it pronounced like that, spell it like that. Oh,
0: well, exactly. Call it Dazon. Put D A Z O N E. Why? Why does it need to be four letters? That's ridiculous. Don't you mock me, Jake McGee? And cool oh no, yeah, yeah because yeah okay so i'm on call, <laughs> yeah because because i read it as it is anyway does own so i signed up for it right and I, I, I think it didn't <laughs> none of last year's games are on you can't watch the super bowl and then i was like oh hang on a second i went through the teams none of last season's none there's no games i was like what's going on here and i'm assuming that they're going to be uploading last year's games to it. But why they're telling people to sign up for it now when it's not even ready, because, ah, when Game Pass first came out, it was fantastic. I mean, fantastic. You could watch all the archived footage, you could watch all the games, everything you wanted, and then they changed it from, I think what they called the US version. Uh, We then got the NFL... EU something company that owned game pass at this point um this was about what three four years ago i forget when it was i, I might have that completely wrong as i say because of covid i say oh last year five years ago um <laughs> I, so it goes and they they changed it and all of a sudden half the stuff wasn't there anymore um uh looking at Dazone that I saw there the other day. Now, I've not been on it for a couple of days. Did this the other day, so they may have uploaded stuff. They may have changed it. Um, You couldn't even watch last year's Super Bowl. And I thought, that is just wrong on every level. That you can't even watch the last game that was played in the NFL. So, hopefully, they'll be changing this um we'll wait and see i don't know why they changed it in the first place to the to the the eu one that they were using it was terrible in comparison to the old version um and now you've got this dazone that's jake that's stupid that's i didn't name it
1: jake that's stupid
0: i didn't name it i I know you didn't name it
1: yeah it is. I'm anyway, trying to be the good guy here. You,
0: are you trying to be the good guy here? Yeah, yeah, by t- calling me up an old man, seeing I'm uncool. Is that what you're doing here?
1: No, I'm just saying that people will call you an old man for saying Daz, and I'm trying to, you know, make sure we you know, I've got your back. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, given that
0: I mispronounce every other player's name in every single episode, <laughs> I, I, I think mispronouncing something that has four letters in it then you know it's that's maybe that's gonna make.
1: Make it better. maybe it's gonna get better
0: yes that's what's happening anyway gentlemen let's move on shall we let's move on to the news jake mcgee would you like to start us off and tell us what has been happening in and around the nfl
1: this week yeah, like I said, we're getting a, a little bit closer to the season. News has come out in drips and drabs. The Bills extend Sean McDermott and Brandon McBean, or Brandon Bean. They're, they're, together they are McBean. Uh, they are both tied through till 2027, which is good news for Buffalo. Um, staying in the, the AFC East, if you like. Tyreek Hill is in maybe legal trouble once again. You know, great player, maybe not such a, a great human being. Supposedly slapped or or hit a a worker who was, I think was like fifty seven and time he kills you know an athlete in the prime of his career. Picking a fight with a an older gentleman is a an interesting choice. So good news for the Bills. Something to keep on the, the radar for the Dolphins because I initially it said he wasn't going to press charges, but now may press charges. And even if he doesn't, the NFL may still look into it. So. Probably not what Dolphins fans wanted to, to hear.
0: No, and there's been rumblings about Tidy Kill before. Um oh, yeah. And there's been, you know, he's he doesn't have the best reputation, shall we say, for being a nice guy. Let's let's put it like that. Um, if the NFL do decide to take action, obviously possibly there could be some suspensions um, or fines going ahead. But as we've seen in the past, it'll probably be a couple of games. Or something like that, because, you know, if you're going around beating up people, you only, you only get suspended for a couple of games. That's fine. You know, it's not like, betting. Didn't
1: on it it's not like
0: betting on, on cricket, <laughs> you know, in the building, where you get done for the entire year or something like that. Hey, Patrick, let's get your, your thoughts on this. Um, the tidy kill situation to start off with, and then we talk about the Buffalo Bills there, but um, with tidy kill, th- this has popped up before in the past. This has come up before mm. tidy kill. Um what what do you make of the situation do you think the nfl might look at possibly putting in some suspensions i mean
2: 31 teams would be delighted if they did because he's that sort of mercurial talent that you want to avoid having to deal with that if you can that's part of the reason why he gets as so much leeway as he does i think because he's that draw for the viewing figures so the nfl i think will want to be as lenient as possible to uh get their star players out on the field it's uh fair to say if he was like a third string special teamer we probably wouldn't be seeing him for a
1: you know half a season yeah i think uh, i agree with what patrick's saying as a saints fan and alvin kamara's had this his whole kind of case hanging over him for 18 months and the nfl has just said we're gonna wait and see um we'll see what comes of it. And we still don't know i think it's coming out later this year um, so I think, again, if Alvin Kamara wasn't Alvin Kamara, the NFL may have suspended him beforehand, and then wait to see. But the, the star players certainly do get uh, star treatment.
0: Oh yeah, I think it, you, you'd guaranteed preferential treatment depending on who you are and uh, who you are to the league. Uh, not even so much for your team, but to the league. And I think the the one notable exception of this, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, was a Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was a big, big star, Maybe not tidy. Tyre- Hill typeset, but a big name. But it was like they were making
1: an example of him. Um mm. Didn't work very well, did, did it, given this past season? It,
0: it didn't. It didn't. Well, that's what we said at the time. You know, we were like, uh, after, because they did make an example of him. This was not swept under the rug. They absolutely took him out and hung him out to dry. Uh And then, but then, it was the guy betting on college i just i don't want to get into it it was ridiculous it was a ridiculous situation The suspensions are ridiculous and you think well, you know what is going on in the nfl um but the, the the tidy kill situation obviously i'm not going to speculate about things that are uh, i don't want to see rumors but you know uh he says she says whatever i'm not going to get into it. obviously once investigations have taken place then that's different we can then Talk about it, John. Heart's content there. Uh, but maybe we should move on, Jake. With any other news? Anything else
1: happening? I'm well, talking of suspensions or people being out of the league, there was, there's one gentleman who's currently without a job, uh, but that's not stopping him enjoying his, his one of his favourite hobbies. Big Carson Wentz uh, posting on his Instagram a picture of him basically sat, or sat on or next to a beautiful big uh, brown bear or black bear. Um, that he had decided to to kill for sport, uh, posted to his personal Instagram, and also I think he's he's got like a joint Instagram with his brother, or he's got something with his his brother. It's Wentz Bros, um, and obviously he's saying something along the lines of beautiful day, beautiful trip, and beautiful animal. Um, not beautiful enough not to to kill, obviously. Um, but it's obviously gone down with mixed feelings for uh, the majority of us, not big fans of it, it's obviously. Some people who enjoy that see nothing wrong with it, um, but yeah, it was—it's uh, certainly created some waves on the internet. I mean, yeah,
0: Carson Wentz went from WFT to WTF. <laughs> I mean, what what was he thinking? If you first of all, um, it's it's horrific. I, I don't like it. Personally, I think it's uh, killing animals for sport should be banned worldwide. It just should. There should be a planet-wide ban on it for sport. I think it's absolutely despicable. Um, and it should be a criminal offence to do that. Now, in saying that, some people are going to do it. Carson Welts- Wentz is a multi-millionaire guy... Um, if you if you want to it, if that's how you get your kicks don't post about it on social media i mean what did he think the reaction was how dumb do you have to be to post that on social media and not expect a massive backlash it's just it's insanity Carson wentz is an idiot he's an absolute idiot um, Patrick, what's your thoughts on this? What's your this moron? What do you reckon?
2: I think my personal stance on it is the same as yours, that I think we should have got beyond this as a hobby as a species. But I think hunting culture is bigger in the States than it is over here. Um, you know, as with general gun culture. And uh, I know there's Jaguars players who like hunting, uh, which kind of disappointing me on a personal level, but their hobby is their hobby. Um, it strikes me that, you know, historically it would have been impressive to have being able to tackle a bear. These days, when you're doing it from a safe distance with a high-powered rifle, it doesn't quite, you know, show you to be the big man that it yeah. used to historically. It, it, now it's just pathetic. You're right. Own. I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you there, Patrick. I do apologise, but you're right. If Carson Wentz had posted and just got attacked by a bear, took him down with my bare hands, I would have no issues with that if he was defending himself and single-handedly took down a bear with a karate chop or whatever but shooting him from half a mile away with that with a with a gun yeah that's 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 real sporting that's not that's not sport and people say oh it's, it shouldn't it's, be it, it, well it shouldn't be it's some people think it is it's not and that's the thing like i guess in terms of posting it
2: if you're surrounded by other people who like that stuff you're not going to think oh if people are going to think this is ridiculous and uh, uh poor state of humanity that i'm posting this in a fashion that suggests that i've enjoyed it but as soon as it gets out into the wider public if you're not in the majority that's the sort of backlash you'll get and probably a good thing for the uh, future of humanity in my eyes but that's a, a judgment
1: well the the thing he tagged in with that uh, Wentz bros outdoors it's got some its instagram page with 67 and a half k followers outdoor enthusiasts then a picture of a duck and deer, which I'm assuming means they they kill them for for fun. So this bear must have really, like you said, been a good kick for them. But I I think I'm exactly the same as um, you Hand-to-hand combat, if you fight a bear and you win, fair play. Um, All for it, you know, because at least the bear's got a fighting chance. Um, But yeah, killing them from half a mile away, it's like, wow, you're a big man. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Look, look look how tough Carson Wentz is. What a big straw. But
1: uh, I think what Patrick was saying about it being obviously more accepted in the state, I think is exactly right, because there's NFL players, Taylor Heineke, saying he wanted like a taste, and Jay Cutler saying it was cool. And so, And we say so, there will be players on each and every one of our teams that like that and go, oh, that's a really cool cast. And then there'll be other ones who probably share our opinions and say, well, you're not yeah. a very big man if you're... If that's how you kind of get your kicks, but each to their own, I guess. But I don't... If I was his agent, I I wouldn't be going. Nice post, Carson. That's going to yeah. help us. Yeah, I,
0: exactly. <laughs> As I say, you, you—if—if if that's how—if that's what you do, if that's your hobby, and that's the only thing that brings you enjoyment, is murdering animals. First of all, there's something wrong with you, but secondly, don't. Go posting it on social media for everyone. Show your friends. If you, you know, let's say, let's say it was me. Let's say that's what I love doing for a living. And Jake and Patrick, you both love doing the same thing for a living. If I do that, I might take a photo and show it to you guys. Look at that. Because we have a common interest. Yeah, I'm not going to go whacking it out on, on Facebook. Because, I, you know, surely, surely Carson Wentz knows that this is a bad thing to be posting on Instagram? Well, clearly not, because he, he did it. So, you know, he's even more of an idiot than I thought he was. And that was, I didn't think mm-hmm. that was possible. So, just goes to show you, uh, it takes all sorts, I suppose. Um, Jake, shall, shall we, is there anything else? Can we move on from this? Just yeah,
1: that's, uh, that is ridiculous. the news, unless uh, Patrick wanted to say anything about the, the Bills, because obviously we kind of jumped over Oh, that. we did. I actually want to tidy anything the up with the, the McDermott and the, the Bean extension.
2: From what we've seen over the last few seasons, it bodes well for the Bills. I wonder if they've taken a slight backward step this last off season, And I uh, kind of hope so, because we've got to play them next year. And they're obviously a, a playoff divisional, right? Uh, yeah, conference rival, hopefully, when we get to that point. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Obviously, the... Uh, Stefan Diggs thing needs smoothing over because he's an integral part of that receiving group, which looks pretty threadbare apart from him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where they go with that.
0: Yeah, there we go. So, moving on, gentlemen, we are going into our next segment, which is, of course, the AFC South deep dive. Hence why Patrick is here joining us. Now, the AFC South last year, Jacksonville Jaguars 9-8. and eight. Tennessee Titans, 7-10, Indianapolis Colts, 4-12, Houston Texans, 3-13, oh sorry, 4-12-1, Houston Texans, 3-13-1. And, and we're going to start, of course, with the divisional champion, Jacksonville Jaguars they made it into the postseason last year as I'm sure we are all painfully aware um they had one of the greatest comebacks in postseason history against the Chargers in that wildcard game that was insane was 27 points down Uh, ended up winning that one and then eventually succumbed to the eventual uh, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional run in in a close game 27-20 I'm not going to talk too much about this um Patrick, we'll put it to you first. You being a Jaguars man, what did you make of the team last year? What do you think of the off-season? What are you looking for next season? Take it away.
2: It's been a rare season of stability, Jacksonville, which has been nice. It's been nice to see all the teams wanting our players and priding them away from us with higher wages. We lost Juwan Taylor to the Chiefs, paid him a really big wedge, a wedge that was bigger than we would... uh, shell out for him I think we might regret that losing a starting offensive lineman to uh, a playoff a team that knocked you out of the playoffs last season doesn't feel like a smart bit of business but I think we're stealing ourselves for the big Trevor Lawrence contract extension at the end of this season Um, so we'll we'll see where that goes but compared to where we've been the majority of our seasons over the last 20 years maybe it's as positive as it's been and uh they focused very much on building that strong offence for Trevor Lawrence. All of the first two days' worth of picks in the draft were uh, offensive players. Calvin Ridley, we've mentioned already, not technically a free agent signing because he was picked up in the trade during the season than that, but his first game hasn't happened yet, so he basically cancels a new signing. They picked up Dearness Johnson as well to bump up the running back room still further which I think is a a sneaky under eight pickup, given how well he did for the Browns in the small number of opportunities he got there I guess my concern is how much has been trimmed from the roster so as well as Juwan Taylor they lost Chris Manhurts who was a big part of creating those running lanes for Travis Etienne last year Etienne sorry Uh, Cam Robinson is going to be suspended for at least six games that's another part of the offensive line Uh, Dan Arnold's gone wasn't featured that much anyway. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. moved on, but is directly replaced by Calvin Ridley, so that, if anything, is an upgrade. And then, on the defensive line, Arden Key has gone to the Titans, and you don't like to see pass rushers moving within your division. That's awkward. Um, He suggested that the Jaguars' wage offer was insulting, and that's why he moved on. He also suggested that he was an integral part of last season's successes, which is quite a spurious claim, looking at his snap percentage and uh, general contribution. But, you know, he played some good tunes in the locker room, I guess. I'm hoping Dwayne Smoot will be re-signed. He's currently a free agent. After his first five seasons with Jacksonville, he got injured towards the end of last year. So I think that's a kind of watching brief. And he hasn't signed anywhere yet, so I'm hoping he'll end up back home. Um Be nice to see him see him back and they've talked about wanting to be a, a draft and develop side rather than having to splash out big in free agency and so keeping a player who's contributed like he has during his rookie contract would be a sign of intent along those lines
0: so just before i put it over to you jake um the jacksonville jaguars were the only team to have a positive points differential uh, in the division um in fact you're know, positive 54 they were one of only four teams in the entire afc to score over 400 points um, that obviously, and that was all the division winners the Bills, the Bengals, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs. Offensively, they start seemed to start off quite slowly, but they got better as the season went on. Trevor Lawrence looked better and better and better as the season went on. If he starts this year anything like he ended last year, the Jaguars could be very dangerous indeed. So, Jacob, I'm going to put it to you because I know you picked uh Trevor Lawrence as your um stupid early pick for top passer yards. This year, um, what do you, what did you make last year, and what are you looking for this year from Jacksonville?
1: Yeah, I've made no no bone about being quite high on the Jaguars um, this year. I mean, nine and eight. The uh, over under is at nine and a half. So even with the the twenty third strength of schedule, they they seem to think Jaguars are going to be there or thereabouts again. Um, the AFC South play the AFC North and the NFC South, which is pretty. Um, good divisions to be matched up against all and all, um, hence why Jaguars have the toughest strength of schedule in their division, and it's still only the 23rd one, so certainly not too bad. I've mainly looked at, obviously going forward, they've got three primetime games, one on Thursday night, one on Sunday night, and one on Monday night. Now, Jaguars haven't played a Sunday night game in 15 years, so 26-21 loss at home, to the Steelers on October the 5th 2008 and they haven't played a Monday night game in 12 years which was a 38-14 loss at, the, at home versus the Chargers in December the 5th 2011 Twelve they were both years? the longest active streaks in the NFL Why? <laughs> so finally <clears throat> finally the Jaguars are getting a bit of respect in terms of primetime games getting shown on Sunday night and Monday night
0: how have they not been on um, but like you know the Jets have
1: that makes no sense. Big market, big market. Oh, fun. We, course, we've yeah, we've spoken yeah. about how the, the bias of the of the big markets and the the media darlings. Um, yeah, that's true. They've got a very interesting schedule this year. They've they've got the first ever back to back international games. Um, they've got their usual home game uh, against the Falcons on October first, and then the Jaguars are the away team uh, a week later against Buffalo, which uh, the away team on paper. Um, a very strange one for for Buffalo to take that as a as a home game. I think it definitely works more in favor for for the Jags. But a lot of NFL teams have got very used to flying into London a few days before winning, losing, flying home either that night or the day after. Jags are kind of making it a home for for a week or so. It's going to be very interesting to see how that kind of blends in. Uh, and again, like last week, I mentioned team's not necessarily taking their bye week after international games. Jaguars don't take their bye until week nine. So that's going to be a very interesting kind of stretch October. It is quite rough, I would say. They've got those London games, Mm -hmm. followed by home against the Colts, and then a short week at New Orleans on Thursday Night Football, before Steelers at home, and then finally their bye week. So two games in London, divisional game, and then a short week on Thursday Night Football is... It's a lot on, on the Jaguars' plates, and that can kind of be one of those swings where, you know, you win three or four of them, you feel great, you lose two or three, and you're kind of begging for that bye week all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, yeah, the couple of weeks before the bye um, are always very, very important. But at least it's a week nine. Do you see a week nine bye, yeah?
1: Yes, week nine. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, you know, pretty like well-placed bye.
0: Oh, see those ones that are like week five. You're thinking, what, <laughs> or week fifteen. That's no use to anyone. You want it smack bang in the middle of the season. So that's good for the the Jaguars. Um, now, Patrick, I have to ask you, right? So, obviously, two years ago, the Urban Meyer failed experiment. <laughs> it, it was a disaster. We all we all know it was a disaster. We all watched it unfold in front of our eyes, and the team just imploded. It was awful. But the jump for Trevor Lawrence from that year to last year was absolutely astronomical. Was there a point during that first year, though, where you thought, have we made a huge mistake drafting this guy? Or, you know, because even at the beginning of last year, he didn't look great. Or not so much a mistake, that because everyone knew he was going to go first overall. Sorry. Um, Were you worried at any point that he might not turn out to be the guy everybody thought and hoped he was going to be. He had
2: a very difficult rookie season and
0: at times
2: he seemed like the most mature person in the room. Certainly more mature than his head coach of many years and national championships and all that (laughs) good stuff. He was coming out in the media and doing all the hard stuff that you don't want your rookie quarterback to be having to handle and doing it as well as could possibly be done under the circumstances. So I never lost faith in thinking he'll fulfil his potential long term. There were some frustrations last season, you know, we saw similar red zone interceptions in multiple games in the first quarter of the season. The performance against the Broncos in London was very disappointing. Um and then we got on a roll towards the end of the season, you know, we had to win six games consecutively to get in and we did that. And um that confidence builds up and I think things like They got hugely behind in the Chargers games and some teams would be like, well, we're not getting back in this and go through the motions. They never lost faith. They stayed together as a unit. You didn't see the defence giving up on the offence. You can see from the kind of mic'd up behind the scenes footage, them saying, we got your back. Just go out there and play. Don't worry about it. Just go out there and play. And they kept the faith and got us over the line. And I think the offence is only stronger now I also think it's going to need to be because we didn't make much improvement in the pass rush and we didn't make much improvement in that covering slot receivers. So we're going to have to score big to uh, to stay atop the division. But we're favourites for the division for the first time probably since maybe a 2018 defence that they kept together. But... Extended bottles, and we all know how that ended up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, It's it's a rare one to be going into a season confident and thinking, this division is ours for the taking. Well, there's never a better time to winning it, because two of the teams are under new head coaches with rookie quarterbacks, and the Titans have hamstrung themselves with a massive contact, contract for a mediocre quarterback. So you can clearly see they're in trying to engineer a rebuild without... Throwing in all the chips and starting again. So, yeah, there's not a better chance to win a division than we've had in the last 20 years or so.
0: And that was a lovely segue into our next team, which is, of course, the Tennessee Titans. Now, they finished off season seven and 10, as we've already mentioned, and their points differential was minus 61. Um, still the second best in the division, um, they didn't have a great season last year, the Tennessee Titans, for various, various reasons. But some of the games they lost, they looked absolutely incompetent. Just like they, they couldn't get anything done. And others, they kept it really close. But then, end of the season, I mean, they, they finished the season with seven straight losses. And, and we all know that basically... The opposite of what the Jaguars did, you know, they they started off not great yet. They started off with two losses, but they then won five on the bounce. Then they lost one, won two in a row, and then they lost seven straight games. Now some of those games were very close late games, but these are the games that historically the Titans would be winning. They weren't winning these games at all, and some of it obviously has to do with injuries. But I think we all have to look at the quarterback play for this team. You already mentioned this massive contract that they've got. Um, They've also got the young fella in now whose name I've already forgotten. So I'll put it over to Jake. Will Levis. I'm sure Jake. (laughs) Well, yeah, they've now drafted two quarterbacks in two years. Is that right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, Um, Malik Willis last year. That's right. Malik Willis and then Will Levis. So, Jake, I'll put it to you first what do you make of the Tennessee Titans? What can they do to turn this around? Can they turn
1: this around? What do you think? I think when I was looking at the Tennessee Titans, what a fascinating kind of revelation I found. They were the number one run defense last year. That's pretty impressive, but they were the number 32 in passing yards allowed. So... I mean, talk about basically a bipolar defence. You can stop the run, but you just throw the ball and you're you're just exposed. So I'm sure that is going to be certainly an off-season point of interest. They will face four quarterbacks that finished among the top 10 in passing yards. So I really hope for their sakes they have addressed it. Bringing in Sean Bunton probably isn't enough. Obviously, Patrick mentioned Arden Key coming along and Andre Dillard. They did lose a few players. Uh, Nick Davis, Demarcus Walker, Robert Woods, David Long, Halo, Lawan, who's still unsigned. That's another one of those kind of big contracts that they're basically trying to get rid of, like Patrick said, in, in, in I couldn't really agree more. It's like, we're hitting the rebuild, but we're also trying to be competitive because realistically, our division is, you know, they have a chance. As you mentioned with uh, the Colts and the Texans that we'll talk about later, you know, when you've got a team that wins three games or a team that wins four games that you play twice a year, you still think, okay, we've got half a chance. They only have two primetime games, one Monday night and one Thursday night. That's their lowest amount since 2019. So again, kind of showing the the decline the Titans are on and and where they're kind of at at the moment. They have the favourable nine home games, but week six against the Ravens in London is classified as a home game. so nine home games but only eight actually in Tennessee so you don't necessarily feel the the benefit that other teams feel with that they they do take their bye after international they take their week seven bye and my question really would be when do we see Will Levis because the Malik Willis experiment did not last long they are reportedly (laughs) not very happy with him um and that was kind of shown when they Drafted Will Levis, number 32, even though it was in the, the second round. Um, the interesting stat, I mentioned Week 7 bye. Do we see Will Levis after that? The Titans are 5-0 and oh, coming off a bye since Frable took over in 2018. And that game this year would be against Atlanta at home. So maybe looking 6-0, and oh, could that be Will Levis?
0: Yeah, I mean... So Malik Willis last year started three games. He went one and two, didn't throw a touchdown through three picks. Uh, they John, I mean, yeah, you're like, that's, but you know, he's, he's a rookie quarterback. I, I get that. Joshua Dobbs, uh, he went on 2 as a starter, two touchdowns, two picks. Ryan Tannehill is just the most vanilla quarterback in the entire league. The, the Titans are arguably the most boring franchise in the entire NFL. <laughs> nothing i mean they, they really are with the obvious exception of Derek henry breaking off a run and stiff arming a cornerback there's nothing to watch there's nothing gets you excited about watching this team. at least with some of the other teams who you would see are definitely worse generally there's some form of entertainment value there but with the titans there's nothing at all to get excited about with this team and as you said, so first round draft pick last year, quarterback, first round draft pick this year, quarterback, Ryan no. Tannehill, massive contract. I w I don't know when this contract ends for Ryan Tannehill or you know how long's left in it. Um I'll put it to you, Patrick. What do the Titans have to look forward to? Because if the the Willis thing, as Jake said, did not work last year. If Levis comes in, let's say he comes in middle of the season, week eight, week nine. If this doesn't work, what do they do then? They're clearly just trying to ship Tannehill. Nobody will will take him, especially with that contract. What, what do you think, Patrick? Do you have a you you? You'll know more about this team than than I do. I'm just talking yeah, from uh, what I've seen. Um, which as I say, uh, just
2: bull- Willis Willis was a third rounder, so he's a bit of a flyer. They were hoping for better than they got, but he didn't look as good as Josh Dobbs last season. I think. Every quarterback in that team struggled because their offensive line play was poor, which is why Tannehill got injured in the first place. I don't think Tannehill's bad. As you say, he's vanilla. He's middle of the road. The problem is he's got the second highest cap hit of any quarterback in the league next season at 36 mil. It's only 3.3 million behind Mahomes. You can't afford to be paying a mid-tier quarterback second overall quarterback money. It just hamstrings you for the rest of the thing. And that's a symptom of, being hamstrung by poor GMing decisions, which is what's held them back in recent seasons. So they lost AJ Brown in the trade um, during the draft, which they replaced him with Traylon Burks, and AJ Brown went to the Eagles and made the Super Bowl. And He's the most dynamic, exciting receiver they've had in a decent period of time. He was performing very well, so to lose him in that fashion was... Poor in, in, during his rookie contract and Traylon Burks looks like a sort of comparable replacement but their receiving core wide receiver wise apart from that is no one that really frightens you they used to have a good set of tight ends there they've now got Chigakonkwo is the only one that's really a recognised name at this point I mean, Wiles are a rookie anyway so we haven't seen him yet to so judge but Akonkwo looks decent Traylon Burks can be scary beyond that it's very run heavy. And even the depth chart looks like run is the focus. And as you say, that's not necessarily the most spectacular brand of football. I think what they've got to look forward to is they've removed their GM who was causing the issues last season. They've seem to have expanded um the head coach's power of Abel into more sort of the kind of Belichick overlord and That will benefit them, I think, because he's demonstrated a capability to take a squad further than it looks like it should go, like more more than the sum of its parts, and provided he doesn't spread himself too thin across the organisation, his additional influence should benefit things. I think he was visibly irritated by what happened to AJ Brown and the mismanagement there, and he probably feels the same way about the giant Tannehill contract that he's got to jiggle a squad around.
0: You have to wonder how the, why they agreed to that contract for Tannehill. I mean, you, you have to like, surely when his agent came up well, we'll take whatever it is, 800 trillion over the next five. That's, that's what it looks like. You're like what? Surely not. But you know, the quarterback market, as you said, it's, it's, it's a crazy market. I don't believe, I cannot believe he's going to have the second highest cap hit
1: behind Mahomes. I think if you, the the Titans have kind of looked around to a team that we're going to talk about probably next and said, I'd rather stick with Ryan Tannehill, you know, better the devil, you know, than do some, what other teams in the division have done and just try to hire a quarterback each year. And that doesn't always work as well. So there's kind of, there's ways about it and you see some teams handle it really well. Some teams like the 49ers just seem to pick people off the street and it seems to work. You know, it, 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 I don't know if it's coaching, if it's luck, if it's timing. I mean, I mentioned Taylor Lawan. I mean, they gave him a big contract and at the time, you're like, oh, it makes sense, but then injuries and bad playing, you're like, okay, we're going to just kind of put him and their first round pick, Peter Skoronsky is hopefully going to pick that up. What happens with Derek Kent? You know, if you do just say by week seven, by they're one and six. Do they just completely blow it up and trade Derrick Henry you know who knows what's going to happen with the Titans this year I mean I do like what they did with the draft in terms of Skoronsky kind of replaces Lawan. they've got Ty J Spears who a lot of Saints fans were looking at because he's from Tulane but they are kind of in limbo at the moment and like Patrick said it really is the Jaguars division to lose
2: It feels like they've got good kind of ducks in a row in the running back room for the long-term Henry Mm -hmm. replacement, much less so in the receiving room. And that's, that would be my biggest concern if I was a Titans fan. Um, I think it bodes well for Levis that Tanner Hill is still there and he's not expected to start immediately because we've seen that have really detrimental impacts on quarterbacks careers. So, it's good that he can sit behind him for a bit and not have that pressure immediately, do a bit of learning and then step in you know, midway through season one, season two at the start, who knows? But there's no pressure for them to immediately bring him in and that, that is the right way to handle the transition, I think, for a quarterback of that type.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably both right in that, Counts. And uh, that will lead us nicely on, gentlemen, speaking of quarterbacks, to our next team. Now, the next team is, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. They finished with a record of 4-12-1. They had a points differential of minus 138. The worst. (laughs) The worst in the entire NFL. Minus 138. And you just think, that is absolutely awful. And the reason you think that is because it is absolutely awful. Teams were scoring on them like it was nobody's business. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys dropped 54 points on this team. 54. I I mean, that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. I don't know what does. And at the same time, they weren't scoring. They got shut out in week two. They only managed three points in week nine. They managed three points in week 16. You know, they scored uh, just 10 points a couple of times in the season. They're really bad. They they were so bad last year. And I I didn't think they would be because, as you said, Jake, so they went from uh, – I'm going to get this wrong now. So they went from Andrew Luck uh, Mm -hmm. in 2019. Is that – that's not right, is it? 2018. 2018, I think. 2018. And then they brought in somebody who – I can't remember – and then you know they brought in they had uh, Philip Rivers and they had Carson wentz and they had Matt Ryan, and they've had all these guys for one year it It hasn't worked it's it's just not worked. so this year, they drafted a guy. Jake will put it to you first. The Indianapolis Colts did draft a quarterback. Is he going to be the answer? to the terrible, terrible quarterback play that has plagued this franchise since Andrew Locke left.
1: This is a, another team kind of struggling with identity, and the way I see it, everyone mocks Jerry Jones, but Jim Irsay seems like his cousin in terms of meddling with his kind of team and kind of getting maybe too involved. Um, they've brought in uh, Shane Steichen from the Eagles, who's obviously worked with Jalen Hurts, They've brought him in, basically let him pick his quarterback. He's got Anthony Richardson, who's got kind of all the intangibles and assets that could make him a Jalen Hurts type of player. And rather than this kind of plug-in and play, hire and hope, they're clearly trying to build something with a new head coach, a new idea, a new quarterback. Whether it works or not is, is another thing. But... It feels like at least they're trying to have an identity rather than just hoping to kind of continue like, okay, we've got a half decent defense, we'll just plug in a quarterback and it'll work. Well, it clearly clearly hasn't. Um, I struggle with the Colts really was. There's a, a very kind of wayward team and a, kind of a circus last year. They've got nine home games, like so well, that's that's good news. They've typically only really got seven away games because they've got the the neutral game uh, against the Patriots in Frankfurt. Um, this is another team, kind of like the, I think it was the Browns last week, I was saying, you will know very early what we're getting with the Colts. Uh, they've got four divisional games in their first six, including the Jaguars week one and week six. Good news, Patrick, the Colts have not won in week one since 2013, so congratulations on going one and O. Oh. Um, the Colts do take their bye after their international one. That's a week eleven bye, so that's a pretty good buy to have. Um, they have zero primetime games, which, you know, shocking. I'm, I'm sure we were all expecting to see the Colts on Sunday night football with this team. The the problem I have is like say Anthony Richardson, Shane Steigen that kinda of come in and, and be like the Philadelphia Eagles and change this offense, but they were number thirty-two in deep ball rates, number thirty in play action. And 29th in the red zone um, touchdown rate. So, not great numbers that you want to, you know, as a rookie quarterback, we've mentioned before, very few times is it great for a rookie quarterback because you're going to a really bad team if you're picked in the top kind of three or four. So, he isn't inheriting a particular fantastic offense. Um, Jonathan Taylor missed six games and um, went from 18 touchdowns to four. Uh, he almost had as many fumbles as touchdowns, which is not what you want from your number one fantasy You're running back last year. Uh, anyone who had the number one pick pride uh, after seeing Jonathan Taylor just bomb out. Um, and again, their moves, not exactly fantastic. they have let Stefan Gilmore walk. Yannick Ngakwe's gone. Bobby Okariki, And they brought in Matt Gay, a kicker. And Samson Nebuchadnezzar and Gardner Minshew. And it's like, well, that's Woo! <laughs> it's a hey, Gardner hardly Minchu class.
0: Best quarterback I, on that squad right now. Tell you that.
1: He, he may be playing week one. I don't know if they do kind of throw Anthony Richardson to the, to the dogs and say, hey, be our savior, fix us. Because if I was the Colts, I don't think I would. I would want this to work. Chris Ballard has got to be on thin ice. In terms of the lack of effort, it feels like the Colts have given and open. Uh, how many head coaches has he gone through in his tenure? So I, we may see Gardner Minshew, and I. If I was in charge of the Colts, I would see Gardner Minshew and just kind of try and help Anthony Richardson as much as possible, rather than saying Week One, save our franchise.
0: Yeah, uh, before I put it to you, Patrick, I was staggered by the difference in the Colts from. 2021 and 2022 because they looked down now right so when the Broncos brought in Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson they were saying, oh, they're just a quarterback away they're just a quarterback away that wasn't true because they had a good defense and they had some good skill players and you know but uh, and then we saw that it just died to death but the Indianapolis Colts legitimately had the best offensive line in the entire league and as a result of that, the best running game in the entire, and it wasn't even close. Jonathan Taylor was destroying teams. Look, it looked like it was single-handedly, but we know it was because of that incredible offensive line. So when they brought in Matt Ryan, I thought, they're going to absolutely kill teams, They've got a a quarterback who can still play at a very, very high level in a high-powered offense, and now he's got the best offensive line he's ever had, the best running game he's ever had, and still, you know, I thought the defense was going to be good because they had some good players. This might be the biggest shift from one season to, to another that I've seen in 25, 30 years. I don't remember the last time I saw a team fall off so badly as the Indianapolis Colts from what i thought they were going to be uh, in the off season because everything point on paper prior to the season you thought this is going to be a really good team this they, they're going to win the rams lot of games. what was that LA rams the LA rams <laughs> yeah but that was mostly due to injury with the rams M- mostly you know the, with the colts It was just everyone forgot how to play. They were hopeless (laughs) last year. The offensive line was appalling last year. Just shockingly bad, considering it was by far and away the best in the entire NFL the year before and I was, I was gobsmacked by it. Uh, but Patrick, I'm sure you enjoyed it, the, the fall from grace <laughs> of the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. So we'll put it to you. What did you make of them last year? Um, and what do you think they're going to do? Do you reckon they go with Richardson early on? or, or I, I can't see it. Do you think they'd be better off, as Jake says, maybe Minshew week one, see how it goes, or who knows what's going to happen with this franchise. Patrick, it's all yours.
2: I think they'll be under a lot more pressure to start Richardson sooner because Minchu doesn't have a a history of winning games as a starter. He's stepped in a bit and done okay, but nothing established there. And Richardson was drafted much nearer to the top of the draft and when you're picking players in the top sort of five, fans are thinking, he's got to be a day one starter picked that high. You look at your Mac Joneses and people like that picking starters if you're picking that high that's basically what you're saying as a defence I think I would more like to face Minshew than Richardson because Richardson has that much more athleticism to threaten you in multiple different ways, Minshew's gritty but that shouldn't be enough against good quality defences, I think I'm more worried by the Colts now for the mid to long term than I was when they were going through this cycle of draft a quarterback, not draft a quarterback, trade for a quarterback, retire that quarterback, trade for a quarterback, retire that quarterback. I was quite comfortable when they were picking up the last season of Rivers and the last season of Wentz and the last, well, not the last season of Wentz, we just wish it was, the last season of uh, that Ryan. Then they didn't feel like too much of a threat because they had quarterbacks who were lower in mobility and an offensive line that was getting older and more porous and that didn't threaten you as much as bringing in the next athletic young dangerous quarterback like three to five years that would be more of a threat to us than picking in these vets i think but next year with a brand new head coach and a brand new quarterback as, as Jake said, we're playing them twice in the first six weeks, so we're getting them at the absolute best time before they've had a chance to establish themselves and get used to the rhythm of uh, playing together as a new offence. And When you look at the supporting cast that Richardson or Minshew has, behind Taylor, there's not a lot. Zach Moss, maybe, and you don't know what Taylor's fitness is going to be like at the start of the season. The receiving core is very young. Michael Pittman's the only one really established. I guess they've got McKenzie and Perryman as backups, and Alec Pierce and Josh Downs who look like you know reasonably good second and first year players. But it's not a roster where you look at it and think, "Wow, there's a lot of dangerous weapons there. How are we going to handle all of that?" And it certainly feels like they're at the start of a rebuild, and they'll be looking for playoff runs three to five years time. Then gonna be threatening for a divisional win this season.
0: The thing with Richardson that I you know I, I get what you're saying about being the athletic freak that he is. I mean he ran a 4-4 four, four, forty and you know you know the guy is really athletic. He didn't do anything in college though. It's not like he was this Wonder coming out because his his career record in college was six and seven. Completed so fifty four yeah, but- percent of his passes.
2: So he was at at university in Gainesville, like, just down the road from Jacksonville. So there's a lot of Jacksonville, Florida fans, Gators fans, who know him very well. And they have said he was very hamstrung by poor coaching in Florida. So his output win-loss rise is not as good as his ceiling of potential and, you know... Wins and losses aren't a quarterback stat, as is, is commonly true. floated out there.
0: That's very, very true. Uh, but I was looking at like some of the 54% completion in college. That's not good. Mm. Because generally, completion percentages in college are much higher than they are in the NFL, with the obvious exceptions of a couple of quarterbacks. Uh, he did have over a 1,000 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns in those 13 games. So, as you see, the athleticism is there. I'm just worried that it's not... uh, Do you know what? I could be completely wrong. He might just end up being like Justin Fields and he won't have to throw a lot of passes (laughs) and he'll just run for 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. That that could happen.
2: I have nightmares about watching... Sean Watson and the Houston Texans take the Jaguars apart at Wembley and we just couldn't handle a quarterback with that level of strength and manoeuvrability, they couldn't touch him and I see in Richardson a play with that sort of physical capability, that's the long run concern, but also, back then we had Gardner Minchu as starting quarterback and now we have Trevor Lawrence as starting quarterback so there's a gulf between those two's capabilities as well, so it shouldn't be worrying, but like it's definitely more worrying than if they got in the next Matt Ryan on the last couple of years of his career would have been,
0: so yeah. Well, there is that. Um, so, I think what we'll do, gentlemen, is we'll move on to the next team in our EFC South deep dive. And it is, of course, the final team you mentioned Deshaun Watson. And that's a lovely segue into this next team, which is, of course, the Houston Texans when he started his career. Uh, the Texans, unfortunately, finished with a 313 and 1 record. They had a points differential of negative 131. Uh, which was the third worst in the entire league. Um, so I mean, the Colts are the worst. The Texans had the third worst. Um, both, it, interestingly, both teams, the Colts and the Texans, scored exactly 289 points last year. That's a pop quiz for, you know, later down the line. That <laughs> could well be. They both scored 289 points. That was not the worst in the, in the AFC, by the way. Uh, but we'll leave that for the AFC West deep dive. I'm sure you can guess who it was. Um, so, <laughs> the, but the Texans—they just had a rough, rough time of it last year. It was absolutely awful. They could get nothing done. They got their first week uh, win in week five against your Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sorry to say, Patrick, um, and they didn't win again until uh, Christmas Eve, where they beat the Titans. Um, in that game. And then finally, they won in the last game of the season against the Indianapolis Colts. In that absolutely crazy game, um, that one there, but, <coughs> excuse me, 32 31, scoring the last second of the game and then going for two, going for the win, which they did. It was absolutely bonkers. Um, so, in fact, that, that's the one that, did that, not the one that gifted the first overall pick to Chicago. You know, who was it? It was. Correct, yeah. yes. <laughs> Yeah, like all you had to do was lose. You couldn't even do that in style. Uh, so I don't believe in tanking. So I'm glad they went for it. Glad they went for the two points and they got the win there against the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts. But the reality is they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. So uh, Jake, we'll put it to you first. The Houston Texans were just a mess last year. What are you looking for this year? Particularly again, it's it's all about the quarterback again, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is, and it's all about the Texans kind of hitting the reset. And I really, you know, some teams we mentioned haven't been very proactive. The Texans have been very proactive. Lots of kind of turnover in terms of in incomings and outcomings. Noah Brown, Kyle Griffin, Robert Ward, Jimmy Ward, Shadow Rankins, Dolan Schultz, Devin Singletary, a lot of kind of veterans. And you could see them as mercenaries for hire. Kind of, they've got this young core, and they're kind of bringing in people on one two year contracts to kind of hopefully fill the fill the gaps and keep them keep them steady. Obviously, brought in the the draft picks: Stevie Sproul, Will Anderson. They're supposed to make a huge, you know, kind of difference. Brandon Cooks leaving is going to be very interesting because he's kind of just the most consistent wide receiver about in terms of he's always going to get his numbers. Um, I'm more excited for the Texans because of their, their head coach coming from the, the Shanahan tree. They, they've got a decent offensive line. They've got uh, Damien Pierce and Singletary, both kind of underrated in my, my eyes. The The good news is rookie head coaches went 4-1 and one in Week 1 last year. So that kind of is, is good, positive news. The bad news is 2018-2021, rookie head coaches went four fifteen 15 and one. so was was last year just a huge <laughs> fluke um, or are rookie head coaches kind of hitting the ground running. They have zero primetime games, which is uh, not surprising in, in any way, shape or form, as that's their third straight season with four or fewer wins. They've got a week seven bye, and week eight is against the Panthers, so that's sure, in theory, be the number one pick against the number two pick. That's something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, And then three of their last four uh, versus Divisional, including both games against Tennessee. They don't play Tennessee till Week 15, and then they play them again Week 17. Um, So Texans are kind of um, probably higher than most. I've got faith in D'Amico Ryans. They've been proactive. They've been busy. And if he kind of can emulate the Shanahan success... I I will be drafting uh, Texans running backs.
0: Jamaica Ryans uh, did a fabulous job previously, so let's hope he can carry something over. I'm sorry, Patrick. See, I keep saying, you know, let's hope they do well. Obviously, you don't want (laughs) any of these other teams to do well. And me and Jake are sitting here going, you know, I hope the Colts can turn the corner. You're like, no, I hope they stink and they lose every (laughs) single game. Uh, And the only teams that they beat are the the Titans and the Texans. I get that. However... Um, <laughs> in the spirit of impartiality, uh, what do you think of the, the Texans? I mean, obviously, they, you know, they had Davis Mills there before and he just, it, it didn't really work out for him. Um, going into this year, what, what do you think the Texans can do? As, as Jake already mentioned, they've made loads of changes and to Ryan's is a great, that's a great catch for them. Um, mm. do you think it will make a, a big difference to what they've been doing or do you think they're still, still maybe a year or so away from, from really uh, challenging for that division
2: I think they'll be better than last year, I think they'll still have a losing record because of the amount of change they've gone through and you know, when you change out your head coach and you bring in a new starting quarterback and you change basically your entire receiving core which they've done, you know Robert Woods swaps in for uh, Brandon Cooks as that lead, and they've changed their main quarterbacks. They've got Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, who is uh, a decent regular season tight end. A lot of the fringe players have moved in as well. Um, it's going to take time to bed all that in, and what we've seen historically with the Texans is impatience. They've changed head coaches a lot since Bill O'Brien left. They've chopped and changed, and they haven't built a core to allow themselves to find whether or not a head coach is capable or not they haven't given anyone the time to bed in so I kind of hope well no I, I, I fear that what they've done is found the right foundation this time and within a few years we might end up with four competent looking football teams in the AFC South which has been a very large rarity since uh, the Jaguars were formed and the division started up so it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one to watch but I don't Fear them this
0: season. Do you think that the the reason that they've not been giving coaches a chance is a hangover from Bill O'Brien? Because he was there for year after year after year because he essentially was his own boss. I can't remember. It was a weird situation that he was in. Was he not like Mm. acting GM and head coach or something like that? It was such a bizarre situation, and so he wasn't going to fight himself. Um, but he just you know, oh let's we don't need DeAndre Hopkins, we don't need Deshaun Watts, we don't need JJ Watt, we don't need any of those guys. I mean the guy <laughs> just absolutely awful. And um to quote the paraphrase, uh urinating tree on YouTube there, Bill O'Brien is a hack. And he is, <laughs> he, he just is as 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 a head coach. He was terrible you could argue he was you could you could argue he's the worst coach the Texans have ever had and i don't think and many people would disagree with you on that he was he destroyed that team from the inside out and it's you just think,
2: I, I just, think he was a were, a better head coach than he was a gm and it's the it's the gm side of it that caused a lot of the problems and he's certainly shown that he's a decent coordinator and maybe that's where he should have stayed. But, uh, you know, Steve knows this stuff, so I'll bow to him on that one. They've been very ballsy this draft. You know, trading up for Will Anderson was the move of a team who thinks they're nearly there. Certainly closer to there than I would have put them. And they've mortgaged a bit of their future to make that move. However much you love Will Anderson, you've got to know that your chances of making a postseason with a new head coach and a rookie quarterback are very low historically. And you'd think you'd be trying to build longer term rather than splash a lot of chips in for one key piece. But we'll see how that goes, you know. it's uh, Pass rush is increasingly important in the modern game. So you can see why clubs are really reaching for those guys a lot at the top mm. of the draft. The
1: well, yeah, Texans, have kind of touched on it on the draft. The Texans traded their number one pick next year, not the Browns. Obviously, with the Deshaun Watson, they've got their, their picks. So the Texans are backing themselves to be better than the Browns because they're giving up their number one pick next year. So oh. if if they were kind of expecting to have another 3-4 win season, you think they'd offer the, the Browns first year. They'll probably be better mm. than us. We'll, we'll keep our own. They're saying, like Patrick says, mm, we're not too far away we'll back ourselves, we'll give off our first-round pick. The, the the query is, Will Anderson's come from a 3-4 defense and the Texans run a 4-3, so they are really relying on his just natural athleticism and big playability to kind of pick up this new system. And I'm really kind of big on the Texans, and you'll see when you ask me for the predictions just how big I am on the Texans, but Jimmy Ward's come in and he's already a captain on the team. Um, he's apparently really lighting up and giving them rave reviews. Sheldon Rankins has kind of been a, a, a literal mercenary, kind of a man for hire, but for multiple different teams since leaving the Saints and, and always does a job. So they are kind of using them as stop caps and I think, I think Patrick's nailed it really in terms of they think they're better than a lot of people outside think they are. And they're obviously hoping to kind of maybe sneak into the playoffs or challenge the Jaguars whereas their over-under is set at five and a half so Las Vegas does not rate them the same.
0: I'm, I'm quite intrigued about the Texans to see what they're going to be because you know as you both they've made so many changes. It's, I think it's a completely different team from last year um, and it looks like it's going to be a completely different culture as well. So we'll see what happens with the Texas uh, Texans, and now that essentially wraps up our EFC South deep dive. but of course, I do need your predictions. Um, Patrick, you are the guest. So what are your predictions? Would you like me to give you my predictions first? Um, or, or do you no, I,
2: ha- I have mine ready? You've got oh, yours ready? ready.:
0: Patrick, <coughs> Go for it, what are your predictions for the AFC South 2023?
2: So I went through the schedules and gave a quick kind of finger in the air guesstimate at what I thought all the results would be. Stuck that all out in a table. I had the Jaguars taking the division with a fourteen and three record, which would be ecstatic for me. Um that's obviously a bit of homer bias sneaking in there and nothing the, wrong so with uh, that the side me. of what I want, but that's yeah, what listen, I, when, we, I when, it col-
0: comes to, when it comes to the AFC West you wait to see what I've got the Broncos record at, so just you know. <laughs>
2: yeah uh the Colts at nine and seven drawing their week two game with the Texans This seems to be traditional for them uh Titans seven and ten finishing third and the Texans six one and ten finishing fourth
0: Wow Jake do you want me to go next or would you like to do
1: it oh I, I I'm going to shake the, the, the apple cart. So it depends. If, if yours is similar, you may want to go, and then we'll hand over to uh, me who's I'll, going I'll to really. I,
0: uh, Jake's obviously got something up his sleeve here, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I do, have the, I do have the Jaguars winning it. I don't have them winning it by that much. <laughs> I've, got, I've got them at 10 and 7. I've got them taking the division. Um, I've actually got the Colts in second place. I've got them uh, with an 8 and 9. I'm taking the Titans third, and I've got them, I think they regress, I've got them at 5-12 um, and 12. and unfortunately oh. for the Houston Texans I've got them at 5-12 and 12 as well I think they do improve, but I don't think they
1: improve that much,
0: an extra couple of games but I think the Titans are going to fall off
1: Jake I think from from that we think the AFC North and the NFC South are going to profit, kind of the same I have the Jaguars winning, also 10-7 and 7. I then have the Texans coming in second I with it. a 7 and 10 record. I love it. I then have the Colts coming in third with a 5 and 12 record. And the Titans coming in last, losing the tiebreaker, also going 5 and 12. So if you are a Titans fan, um, don't at me on Twitter, please. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's
0: it's just I just got a feeling they're gonna they're gonna fall off the Titans. I'm I'm with you there, Jika. I didn't think that far, but yeah, I think so. So gentlemen, that does indeed wrap up our AFC South Deep Dive. So we come to just about the, the end of the podcast, gentlemen. We do have time for one final segment, of course, and it is Random Stats. Random stats, yes indeed. So my random stats, I'll go first. Uh, My random stat concerns special teams. We love special teams. Of course we do. Uh, In particular, it concerns a punter by the name of Harry Newsome. Now, uh, I'd be surprised if any of you have have heard of Harry Newsome. He never made a single Pro Bowl. He played in the mid-80s to the early 90s. And he's a punter. So he played uh, from 1985 to 1989 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then from 1990 to 1993 with the Minnesota Vikings. And he is special for two reasons. The first reason is he has had more punts blocked than anyone else in the NFL history. In his career, 14 punts blocked in 140 games. So Once every 10 games, he was guaranteed to have a punt blocked in his career. That's the first interesting thing. The second interesting thing is that, so he he led the league twice in in blocked punts. But in 1988, he had six punts blocked and yet led the league in yards per punt with 45.4. That is my random stat I don't even know how that's possible that you can lead the league in blocked punts and still lead the league in yards per punt so I don't know how far his other punts were going they were all 80 yarders it's just <laughs> absolute insanity so yeah that's uh that's the story of Harry Newsome So Harry Kent Newsom Jr and that is my random stat
1: lovely no relation
0: to no relation to Aussie I've got absolutely no idea. I don't even know what he looks like. (laughs) It's just no idea. It might be a clear giveaway if... uh... But um, that's uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. Also, here's the thing. Having his six blocked punts, he kept his job with the Steelers for another year. And then they traded him. And Minnesota signed him. (laughs) This guy is (laughs) getting punts blocked left, right and centre. I don't think he can see very well. Uh, this man's
1: the yeah. match job of
0: punting. Match job, <laughs> <laughs> uh, longest in his career, eighty-four yards in nineteen ninety-eight, an eighty-four-yard punt in nineteen ninety-two for Minnesota. That's pretty good. But yeah, um, he had a punt blocked once every ten games.
1: Not a great one. In the so, NFL stands for not for long.
0: Uh, well, he played for like nine years. It's <laughs> <is> long enough, <laughs> yeah. even though you you know had the most. Punts blocked in history. Um, Jake, what is your random stat?
1: Yeah, my random stat is uh, somber. Maybe if you were listening to the the news, you may have thought we've missed out something. But I wanted to to highlight, I'm trying to keep my random stat somewhat topical. Um, So AFC South, wanted to talk about a a former quarterback who sadly um, drowned this week, uh, Ryan Mallett, at the very tender age of 35. Um, has passed away at the like I say, age of 35, supposed or apparent drowning. He was on holiday with his girlfriend in Florida. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of highlight, obviously, that. And rather than doing the news, I thought I'd kind of bring up a, a random stat that I stumbled across uh, when I was looking through the news. So Mallet who played for the Patriots, he was a third-round pick in the 2011 draft. He was Brady's backup for for two years, um. Then he went off to the Texans, I believe it was. Let me get it up here. And his first touchdown pass was to J.J. Watt. So it wasn't even to an offensive player. It was to J.J. Watt when he was kind of in his his prime era of being a defensive wrecker and also a half decent tight end. Um. So. Popped up on my feed that his first touchdown pass ever was to J.J. Watt. Um, popped up because obviously J.J. Watt amongst other players have obviously tweeted out uh, their condolences and uh, responded to the sad news. Um, but yep, just wanted to kind of highlight the, the, the pass note of Ryan Mallet, which is obviously very, very upsetting and kind of uh, no age to, to be passing away. Um, and kind of just highlighting a, a very strange little random stat. Um, his first ever touchdown pass was to J.J. Watt.
0: Rest in peace, Ryan Mallet, 34 years old. Terrible shame. Um, right. So, Patrick, you uh, have the honour of doing our very last random stat of our last segment. So, what have you got for us this week? Well,
2: I also tried to keep it topical, but also tried to keep it light. Um, those of us who are of, of a certain age will have uh, grown up listening to the American Carnage podcasts. For uh, Dave's reference, that's the podcast that mummies and daddies listen to. And uh, (laughs) back in the day, they coined the phrase, the AFC South, the division of disgrace. And that always rankled with me a little bit because we kind of got overlooked uh, and disrespected. So I thought I'll do a bit of stats diving and try and prove that the uh, AFC South isn't division of disgrace so i went through the win-loss records for every season since the new divisional structure was laid out to find out just exactly who was the worst division in that time and who was the best division in that time and when i got to the end of all of that the worst divisional record of any single season was the 2022 afc south with a 0.338 win record which is kind of tragic, Uh, um, didn't prove what I was hoping it would prove. So then I thought, okay, if it's single season records, maybe that's not indicative, because of the 10 worst single seasons, the AFC South only has two. It's not that bad. Maybe if I sum it all together, it will put us a rosier picture. So I summed it all together. And the worst division throughout that entire period of history... It's still the AFC South. 641 <laughs> wins and a win rate of 0.474. So, oh. tragically, it's kind of fair. Uh The best division over that time is the AFC East, with a 0.519 win rate. And the best single season, if I can get my spreadsheet to work, was NFC West and AFC South in 2007, win percentage of 0.656. So... You know, we have the worst season and the best season in that time. So that's one tiny glimmer of hope away from being the division of disgrace. But for the majority of the time in the current structure, we've been one of the worst divisions. And that shows out in the record, sadly.
0: I, I'm not sure how to respond to that, really. That's, that's, that's <laughs> quite sad. That's, <laughs> it's, especially as you see, you're like, I'm going to prove we're not. Oh, hang on. Yes, we are. We are actually the most. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's uh,
1: a sigh of relief as an NFC South.
0: It's not well, do you know what? Uh, unfortunately, Jake, maybe another ten years from now folk will be looking at NFC South and going, ah, they were just terrible. They were just terrible. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um because, you know, for years people have been saying the NFC least. You know, it, it's like someone has to win that division. Someone's got to go through now with the Philadelphia Eagles obviously being a, a, a pretty good team, or at least in the past couple of years pretty good team, uh that should hopefully be uh, knocked on the head, but um, poor old AFC South, you do you get a, a, a hard rap sometimes, don't you? I
2: mean, w- what we've seen is the Jags and the Texans have spent years and years being completely dysfunctional and that's absolutely scuppered it, and as you say the Titans and the Colts fairly boring, consistent you know, they're not going to do anything stunningly exciting, but they should go like 9-7, and 10-6, and, and that's enough to win a weak division, you don't need to be Flying out sixteen and one, and that's the sort of thing that really elevates your uh, win percentages.
1: Yeah, yep. That's that saved the NFC South because we kind of take it in turns. So I have the Saints do good for like two or three years, and the Falcons have like two or three years, and the Panthers had a couple of years. Then it was like Tom Brady said, We all just take turns winning the division, really.
2: <laughs> now, the NFC South and the NFC East are both above five hundred. Woohoo! Unlike the NFC North and the
1: NFC West. There we go.
0: The NFC West. Uh are- hmm they're not above 500
1: well the Rams have only been the for about two years wow. and it's not
2: the
0: most recent one but I thought you know because like Seattle Seahawks were consistent for about a decade and in that time the 49ers were pretty good they had some really bad seasons but they were pretty good in that. I just didn't think they were
1: that bad
0: under 500 I'm,
1: I'm 49ers didn't get Nick Bosa by accident
0: no that's true that's true
1: and the Cardinals you know
0: oh well actually yeah, I forgot about the Cardinals if
1: there is any Cardinals fans which there isn't you know? uh, I there is they <laughs> really don't like me I, I don't, dunk on them every week
0: I, I compl- actually forgot about the Cardinals there you go again once again I forget a team exists and what division they play in my goodness every see week.
1: that's not sort of hurtful at least I'm just mean to them you just forget about them that, to me that would hurt me more <laughs> it's like I can never remember what
0: divisions they are do you know what it is right it's because they, you know as as Patrick said you know they changed the divisions The Cardinals used to play in the NFC East and then they moved them to the West. And it really annoys me. Like the Colts <laughs> used to be in the AFC East and now they're in the AFC South. And it annoys me.
1: I don't, know, I don't have this problem, you see, as a, as a younger gentleman. Yeah. Since I followed it, it's pretty much always been the same. So it's, it's far you know, easier for me to keep track of it. And my team's been pretty okay. <laughs> it's only really, you know, we just it, my, my team's only really okay till it gets to about December and then we'd think, hmm. How can we lose this year?
0: So it's not not been too volatile, not been too volatile. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know something, Jake? I was, um, I had NFL Network on today. I was watching the NFL Network, and they were re-showing the NFC playoffs between the Rams and the Saints.
1: Oh, great! Thanks, thanks for having that. Up. And well, Patrick, let's us up with a nice, random start, a humorous random start. You're going to send me off crying. I'm not trying
0: I'm not trying to bring you down, right? I'm just saying. It was on. When I turned on the telly, that was on. <clears throat> and I it was, you turned it off? It was mid-fourth quarter. So I did watch to the end. And, you know, you even, salt. No, listen, even after, how many years has that been now? Six years.
1: 2017, 16. 17. Six
0: years, right? I still, you know, you look at that. I, I'm not going to
1: ask you to look at a again, because you know what it looks like. It's in your... I have to look at it every time I open up my mug cupboard, and Dave got me a, a mug with it imprinted on... <laughs> So every time yeah, I open up my cupboard, I go to make a cup of tea. Every time I open my my cupboard, all I see is Why don't the fall th- a sultan.
0: Just throw it out. it was a gift. You don't throw away gifts. Oh, accidentally smashed it. Sorry, Dave. There you go. Oh, That's man. what you do. Anyway, oh. anyway. So it came up and, and you know, it, uh, it the play happened. And then they show the replays and I'm going. Because sometimes you forget. You don't. Just how blatant obviously. it was. Just how blatant that was. And if you've not seen it recently, Patrick, if you've not seen it in a, in a year, rewatch it. Because it's not just the fact that he, he was hit early um, off the ball. It was also helmet to helmet. <laughs> like, you know, at the very least, this is helmet to helmet. Regardless of whether or not it's passing to the It should have been a first down. Saints should have been able to run at the clock, kick the field goal, win the game. They didn't. Rams ended up going... Uh, it was. It was. It was awful. It was abs. It was absolutely awful. That may be the worst refereeing call I've ever seen. It's right up there. It's right up there. You can
1: remove, maybe.
0: That conspiracy man. It's a conspiracy man. Uh, do you know what? You could be right because I was thinking. I guess what? Well,
1: you've got Sean Payton, so now it's your problem.
0: <laughs> I, I, I was. I was thinking about the um. What there's a name for the play the fail Mary Seahawks Packers uh, yeah. but that was the, the, oh, was that the Rogers to Rogers um, it was Rogers to whoever it was but they ruled it an interception instead of a touchdown is that right? No, sorry it was Russell to someone but it was intercepted by the Packers and they ruled it a touchdown even though the pass was intercepted but it was the backup uh, officials do you remember that? Like twenty, uh, Yes. I want to say 2018, beginning of 2018. I might have the year wrong. Um, and he throws the pass, and it's like a, a 50-50 jump ball. But the defender comes down with the ball. He's, he's got it. And the, the Seattle guy is trying to get it. And one of the officials runs up and calls timeout. And the other one runs up and calls touchdown. So they have a discussion. And then they're like, uh, Touchdown? And then, like, hey, Seattle wins the game. <laughs> You're like, well, first <laughs> of all... You can't just guess. Yeah, first of all, it was an interception. <laughs> like, he didn't have the ball, so I don't know how you can call that a touchdown. Secondly, as I say, the two officials, one's calling timeout, the other one's signaling a touchdown. Replay shows it's an interception. Everyone knew it was an interception. He co- the, the defender has the ball, but they called it a touchdown in Seattle. Won- Do you remember how I was saying how much I hate the Seattle Seahawks? Things like that. <laughs> Things like that. Calls like that, that constantly went their way for a decade. Anyway, not the point. Not the point. Uh, sorry, Jake, I, I didn't mean to bring up... Well,
1: what's the point of that, other than just to upset
0: me? No, it's, it's a fact that I, I was reminded of it. Uh, I just sort of reminded myself of it. And then it was like just how blatant it was. Um, I, I think you're right, Jake. I think it is the worst of it. Well... Actually, no. That, I mean, that's the worst call on a, on a play. However, many years ago, the Cleveland Browns were playing, I'm going to say it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. In fact, I think it was. Oh, I
2: know what you're talking about.
0: And um, the Jaguars had the ball. Patrick, am I right? They had the ball and they're driving. And they threw a, a, a pass um, and it's called complete okay but oh it was kind of bobbled they run up to the line of scrimmage spike the ball so they run another play and the officials stopped play after after the, the ball's another play run it's been spiked they then stop the play the next play to say we're going to look at the previous play and everyone's like you can't do that you, you should have looked at it before and they're going, uh, no, we're reviewing the previous play. But they're like, but we've already run a play. You can't do that. So there's this big hoo-ha, right? Now there's, I mean, it was in the last minute of the game or something like that. And the, the, the officials are all starting talking amongst each other and nothing's happening. All the fans are starting to get a bit unruly and they're going, well, what's going on here? And the, no one's saying anything to the fans, and then it's the crowds getting thingy. They start throwing bottles onto the pitch. Yes, bottlegate. Bottlegate. They start. Th- I knew it had a name. I couldn't remember what it was. They start throwing bottles onto the onto the onto the pitch, and they're, they're getting really unruly. The fans are going mental, and then. The referee just sort of works up and goes, that's the end of the game. Calls the, there's time on the clock, calls the game and runs inside. And the fans are going ballistic. Absolutely. I don't, I forget, Patrick, you'll need to remind me who actually won the game. What, it, was it (laughs) Jacksonville?
2: Yes, I think so. Which is why the bottles kept raining down for quite a long period after the final score. And um, then Jaguar Gator Nine did a good video on it, which I can link to after ah, the when
0: uh, the pod comes out. Jaguar Gator Nine, they fantastic. I love his videos. Uh, now, mm. now, here is the other thing. So everyone's now in the locker room. The fans have gone nuts. It's 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 chaos. Um, the NFL, um, what would you call them, delegates or whatever. Come into the locker room. All the players have stripped off, and they're like, "You need to get back out there." It's still six seconds on the clock, and they're like, "What?" Fans have left. They're like, oh, <laughs> "You, you can't end the game." The officials—they're hiding. They're not talking to anyone because they called the game and ran away. Uh, and the league says you need to get it, so they they had to come back out. And there was players who had left, essentially left. So other players are coming in. So you had like a backup tight end. For the Browns, uh, and he's like, um, right, you're a cornerback. <laughs> he's like, what? Because they didn't have anyone. And I think, was it Blake Bortles at the time, who was the the the, the quarterback for the Jaguars? I forget. I think it was earlier
2: than that. I think it was still David, Garrard. David
0: Gerard. David Garrard. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think it was David Gerard. Uh, because someone had said David Gerard is like, uh, because there's no footage of this. No one ever saw this happen. So apparently David Garrard is like he's calling the final play. He's gonna take a knee. Everyone knows that. And he's like looking at all the other players going, This is ridiculous. And all the Browns players are going, Yeah, this is ridiculous. So he calls a knee. Um and, and that's the end of the game. But the the league forced them to come back out and play one more snap. It was utterly, utterly bizarre. It was bizarre. Well,
1: yeah, the integrity of the game. Because yeah. the NFL is all about
0: integrity. <laughs> Never mind the <laughs> fact that the referees were trying to review a play that happened two plays ago. Never mind that. The integrity of the game is like it's still six seconds. I'm
1: it's sure gone. like the Saints, the the Jaguars or the Browns maybe got an apology and I hey, hey, it was our mistake. Oh, that really helps. That really helps when you watch it. The the team that's robbed you of a Super Bowl appearance. What, three points was it in the Super Bowl? Three points uh, in the Super Bowl. That helps me sleep at night. Dave should be ashamed of
0: himself. <laughs> he should be ashamed of himself for that performance. Anyway, just blame sorry. Jared Goff. <laughs> blame Jared Goff. Yes. Uh, so I kind of went off there on a wee tangent. I do apologize, guys. Do apologize. Good tangent. Um, So what we'll do is uh, we'll wrap it up with that on that bombshell. So thank you, Jake, for coming along. I do appreciate it.
1: No problem. Take a little bit of a break after you've emotionally scarred me. (laughs) (laughs) Do that. I'll get Dave
0: on for next week. It's all right. Don't you worry about it. And you can can relax next week. Uh, Patrick, thank you very much for coming along thanks for having me back pleasure to be here not at all it's always good to have you um, next week we're going to be doing our AFC West Deep Dive <laughs> that's going to be fun um, and <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm going to have to talk about Nathaniel Hackett again I'm going to have to I don't want to well, be in the bad. past
2: tense so it's a lot more pleasant
0: um, that's true I suppose there is that that is that so, be a long episode it, it might be a very long episode I might actually need to get someone to just like, reel me in a bit um so I might do that anyway um, so that's gonna be next week uh, you can don't forget you can find us on Twitter you can find myself you can find Jake and Patrick on Twitter as well as Dave and Tim everyone's on Twitter now Everyone and uh, Andrew McCaskills on Twitter. Uh, you get us at the WinFL Show. Um, you can also find us on YouTube as well. I have been uploading some videos. Another one coming in the next few days. Uh, just some of the some of the older episodes that we've done, taking some clips, uploading them to YouTube. So check those out, and we'll catch you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.